if y'all are just singing extra good, if I ate extra Wheaties this morning, I tell you, I think it's just the anointing of God. Anybody else just feel the presence of the Lord in this place? Praise his name. I just, I thank you for your just heart for worship and for the Lord. And I want to welcome you this morning. It's just a joy to, to be together. Congratulations. We survived the ice apocalypse of 2023. <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, really sad that we didn't meet Wednesday night, and, and if you know me, I hate canceling church for any reason, just because I love you people, and I, I like to gather together, uh, but every news anchor, you know, this side of the Mississippi was saying, a weather forecaster, they were all saying, you know, it was going to, the sky is falling, and so uh, we got ahead of it, schools had canceled, everything happened. Y'all, by about 5 p.m. on Wednesday, I was like, please, God, let something fall to justify this uh, but, you know, what did they say? Did y'all hear? They said there was like a pocket of, of dry air, something like that, that like somehow, because you could see it on the radar, but they said it was evaporating. Before. I have a theory, that pocket of air was all the hot air of those forecasters just going out into the <laughs> heavens. Mm. Jesus loves weathermen too. Uh, but it, I, I'm glad that we didn't get anything too severe, but we did uh, miss being together, and we're glad you're here today. If you're a guest this morning, I want to welcome you especially and, and ask of you a small favor if you would take a moment to fill out a connection card. These are located in seat pockets somewhere nearby you, and uh, if you just let us have your information there, we'd love to connect with you. Thank you for joining us. And we have a, just a small gift today to, to say thank you for being with us. You could take your connection card after service to the information tables or any member of our First Impressions team, and they'll trade you that card for a gift just to thank you for being with us. Also, please remember that we use the back of these, even if you're not a guest, these are for prayer requests. And if you've got a prayer need, uh, we just recently came out of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, we actually began, I mean, it was a big stack of, of cars, dozens and dozens of requests. And I'm here to testify to you that something kind of cool is that stack keeps getting smaller and smaller because God keeps answering prayers. Amen. Yeah, and so... If you have a need for anything, uh, please don't hesitate. Write it out on that, or you can always go online and submit prayer requests too. But uh, we believe in the power of prayer because of the power of the one whom we are praying to. And I just want to thank you for your faithfulness in prayer. I'd also like to thank you for being faithful in giving. It blesses me that I don't have to get up here and talk a lot about money because y'all give a lot. Y'all are generous people. And it allows us to do so much for the kingdom. Uh, we've got three ways you can give. You can give online at lakeviewpeople.com slash give. You can use the text-to-give number on the screen or on the website, and then we've got offering envelopes also located in seat pockets for your convenience. We don't pass a plate. Uh, we've just got some offering boxes by the door that you can uh, put your giving in as you leave. Uh, but I also want to let you know that because of Wednesday's cancellation, it was actually supposed to be our life group fair, but we've decided to reschedule it, and we've tried to get the word out as best we can, but in case you didn't know, it's going to be tonight at 5 o'clock. Tonight at 5 p.m., we'll meet right here in the sanctuary. This will be a little bit of an abbreviated gathering. Obviously, on Wednesdays, we usually have kids' life and student life. We're not going to do that tonight. It'll just be the whole family's welcome to, to come to the sanctuary together. We're going to have it set up a little bit different. We're going to be serving refreshments, and I've got a special guest who's coming uh, to join me. He's a, he's a shorter guy, lives in my suitcase, and uh, if you don't know what that means, you'll just have to come check it out. But uh, he's going to share with you about being lonely in life and, and looking for some people to share life with. So maybe you'll be in a life group with him. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> meets in his suitcase. Uh, that'll be at 5 o'clock tonight, and I would just love to invite you. You can at any time uh, go online. We've got 
already we've got about 30 different life groups to choose from available online, and you can sign up for those at any point. It kicks off this week, so uh, get involved in one right away, and I invite you to just jump right in and, and take part in that, because it's a big deal to join in relationships with people. It's one thing to, to see people at church. How many of you know it's another thing to be seen at church, for people to know you and to pray for you and care about you. That's what we want to happen. And so that's what happens in these life groups, these small group settings. We believe uh, big life change happens in the context of small groups, in relationships. And so that's in part what our uh, message series is about, is about relationships this month. It's called It's Complicated, but I love the tagline. It says, but it doesn't have to be. Anybody in here believe that God's way is better than our way? And if we'd stop doing it our way and start doing it God's way, things might start going our way. Amen. I, I believe that. I really do. And I want to show you just in the Word of God some areas uh, that, that we may have confused and complicated things when it comes to relationships that we shouldn't have. And we don't have to continue uh, living that way or doing things that way. This morning's message is entitled, Five Lies... And we're going to confront, we're going to address some lies that the enemy uses to try to infiltrate our relationships and so that he can damage our relationship with our Heavenly Father because it's hard to have a relationship with a Heavenly Father that you cannot see if you haven't had a good relationship with an earthly father. It's hard to trust, you know, that Jesus cares for you like a husband cares for his wife, as the Bible says it, if you've had trauma and tragedy in your marriage life. And so you see how the enemy will try to attack our relationship with God through our relationships with people. If anybody has ever seen that happen, would you give God a good amen? Or maybe we should have said a good oh me. I don't know. But it's just this is real life. And God cares about our life. And he has a better way than the way we've been living if we're not living his way. I want to kick off just with a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's so good, but it points out a, a bad problem we humans have. It says, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. Good night, everybody. I don't even need to preach. I mean, that, that's, that's so true. So true. And this is what we want to recognize happening in our society, in our lives, even in churches. We want to recognize the problem and turn to Christ as the solution. And so let's begin looking at the Word of God. If you want to follow along in your notes, in the book of Romans chapter 1. This will be kind of our theme scripture during this series. So we'll look at it a little bit each week. And I just want you to notice right here, the Apostle Paul is writing to church people, the church at Rome, but he's talking about how even church people sometimes can get things wrong about following God. And he says, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And when we get to that place in our life where we, we know God is there, we know God is real, but we don't really let him be in charge of our decisions and of our life, this can happen. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Again, if you don't know him for real, you'll start to think that maybe he's a little bit more like you than you should be like him. And we'll start to make God in our image. And this is where religion happens and where so many different religions have sprung up because we try to make a God in our image that, that fits our desires and our opinions. And it says, as a result, and boy, does this sound like our world sometimes, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. 
Anybody in here know somebody, their mind, it's like they just, they won't even make sense. Yeah, it's sad to see. Look at what it goes on to say. They claimed to be wise, but they instead became utter fools. And I don't mean this, I don't say this with an ounce of meanness, but this is happening in our world. Where the world will say things like, you just need to trust science. And that's good. Man, I don't have any problem. Science just means knowledge. I'm fine with knowledge. But the problem is when they want to tell us things that we know are true. And then they want to say, but now we don't know what that really means. And we want to redefine things like gender and sexuality and things that the Bible is very clear on. Please hear me. I don't say that with an ounce of judgment. But I, I say it with a lot of warning. That we cannot let culture define what we believe. We must let the word of God be the, the foundation of our relationship with God. Or else we'll do this. We'll claim to be wise. But we won't even be able to tell what things are anymore. Does that sound familiar? It goes on to say something very troubling. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. The word of God says that before the return of Christ occurs that the world will become like it was in the days of Noah. The way the Bible described the days of Noah is it said they began to invent new ways to be evil. And doesn't that sound kind of scary familiar to the world today? It seems like people are just, you'll see the news and it's like, how could someone do, how could a parent do that to a child? How could a husband do that to their family? How could these things happen? And I tell you, it's demonic is how it's happening. And it's evil. And here's ultimately what they did, the word says. They traded the truth about God for a lie. And we want to address five lies today that the enemy uses in our lives to try to influence our relationships and damage our relationship with God. These five lies, he's really not that creative, old slew foot. That's what my daddy used to call the devil. He's not that creative. He's been using a lot of the same tactics for a long time, but we shouldn't be laughing at him too much. We keep falling for him. So let us recognize his lies and not only recognize them, but replace them with the truth of God's word. And let me just give you, if I was giving you a synopsis, y'all, when I was in school, I liked the cliff notes of the book, okay? I like to know, just cut to the chase. And I'll tell you, the synopsis of this series can be summed up in this next blank that I ask you to write down. In order for relationships to work, let the one who designed them define them. Can I hear a good amen from somebody? Imagine that. If we want to know how relationships are supposed to work, why don't we talk to the guy who invented them? Then y'all, right here, I just want to say, we have a wonderful children's program. I'm so proud of Kids Life and the ministry. And in this series, I'm going to need to talk to you. When we talk about relationships, we're going to have to talk about even the uncomfortable parts of relationships. And I'm going to do my best to be discreet because my mama's in the crowd. Come on, somebody. But here's the truth. The world's talking about all this stuff, and they're talking to our children about things. That we should not be silent in the church about the truth of God's word. And there's some things, I'm going to be honest, my daddy was a great preacher. Maybe the best I ever heard. But there were things that I knew my dad was uncomfortable. I never once heard my dad do a sermon from the Song of Solomon. You know why? Because it's awkward. Starts talking about her neck looks like a gazelle and the rest of her body looks like pieces of fruit. And I just, and my face gets red and we turn the page. Let's get back to the book of Acts. 
Been preaching out the book of Action. We need to get the book of Acts. God help us. Has Carol left? Okay, good. Oh, there she is. <laughs> Sit, she's sitting by my mom. <laughs> so I'll be preaching to this side of the room. Uh, but it's so true, y'all. God, God designed relationships. And God does everything good. And so in the church world, can I just call us out on some stuff that's silly? Sometimes when we don't want to talk about something, we spell it as if we don't, we don't want to talk about S-S-E-X. We all know what that spells, buttercup. And again, the world is twisting these things and is talking about them in a way that's vulgar and that is, that is not of God. And, and can I tell you, God's not afraid of talking about sex. God is the one who designed it. It's not like he was walking through the Garden of Eden and stumbled on Adam and Eve and said, what in the world? He made it for a reason. He created it for a purpose, for our enjoyment. And yeah, you're going to be laughing a lot, probably like you hit your funny bone where you're laughing like, ha, ha, ha. But we cannot shy away from speaking the truth in love. I do not want my children to let the internet or Hollywood tell them what real relationships are supposed to look like. I want to stand boldly on the Word of God, on what marriage really is, what it can be. And y'all, I know all of us have probably experienced heartache in relationships, but aren't you glad that God can heal broken hearts and you don't have to settle for what used to be. You can live the kind of relationships God wants you to have. Praise God for His healing power and His hope that comes from this. And so, now that you've had that warning, let's call out these lies. There's five of them found right in the first book of the Bible where Satan is confronting Eve. And he talks to her in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Look with me, and you may want to underline some of these. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say... I would underline that because that's your first lie. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And she added something. If you notice, God never says this next part, but she says that he did. And you must not touch it. And I just need to pause. This is not really part of the message, but you just need to realize Sometimes humans will add rules to things that God never even added rules to. That's called religion. And there's some churches Jesus wouldn't even be allowed to attend. And so be careful that we only stand on the word of God. I want the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Amen. That's what the church should long for, is to just know what God's word says clearly about things. It says you, you must not do this or you will die. She remembered that part correctly. Here's the next lie of the enemy. He says you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman. And uh, he tells a next lie right here. Here's the third lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. We'll explain what these lies are in just in a minute. Here's lie number four. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's lie number four. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And this breaks me, my heart, because this is the fifth step that the enemy will take us to, the fifth lie 
is he'll tell us, you need to, to try to cover up and you better get cleaned up before God sees you. Because he'll be so disappointed and so disgusted with you. They just realized they were naked. God knew it the whole time. But it says, so they sewed leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And man, as I was just looking out at you people, singing to the Lord, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not meaning to be sappy. I just thought, I, I love y'all. I want good for y'all. As we were singing, as we were singing, thank you. I was hoping somebody did. As we were singing, though, and singing, surely, you know, your goodness, it's coming after me. It's running after me. You know, this, this passage of Scripture kind of ends on a sad note. You know, verse 7 talks about where they were so ashamed. And many people find themselves in their relationship with God where they're so ashamed because of what you've done. You think that what you've done is, is bigger than what Jesus has done for you. And so you think, I've got to hide, or God's going to be mad at me, or he's going to be so you know, grossed out by me. And what a lie from the enemy. I don't have it in your notes, but sometime read the next three verses, Genesis 8, 9, and 10, because all it is is a picture of our Heavenly Father who knows what they've done. He already knew they were naked before they knew it, and it's a picture of Him pursuing them. They try to hide from Him, and He goes looking for them. Is anybody grateful? That's the Heavenly Father that we have. And sometimes we've presented a bad picture. The church has messed it up, and we've complicated it. But it doesn't have to be. That's the clearest picture of the gospel you can see. You don't deserve God's love. You don't do anything to earn God's love, and He's still looking for you. He's saying, where are you? In your mess, in your problem, in your hiding, in your shame, that's where I want to be. And I'll come right to where you are, and I'll help you stand back up, and then I'll carry you out of this junk that you've been living in. You don't have to live there anymore. But I'm so glad for a heavenly father that comes looking for us. And, and look, the, the tenth uh, verse reminds me, because the rest of this message is pretty serious, okay? So I'm just going to tell you a joke to make me feel better before I have to say some things that are hard to say. There's a great joke, though, about a pastor that used to, after church, uh, he would go visit the visitors and, like, knock on their door. You know, first thing after they'd been there on Sunday, he'd show up knocking on their door. And, uh, you know, he had seen a, a new gentleman at church, shook his hand, knew he was new. So right after service, he went to his house and, and went to knock on the door. Nobody answered when he got to the home. And so he pulled out one of his business cards, one of his church cards, and got kind of smart aleck. He got, thought he was pretty, pretty cute, and he wrote down a scripture. He wrote Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And in case you don't know that scripture, it says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So he's thinking, this is funny. I'm writing a verse that says, I stand at the door and knock and leave it for this guy. This guy's going to see that I'm a funny pastor, you know, whatever. We always want you to think that. So next Sunday, he goes to, he's back at church and, and in the offering plate, he notices his business card is back in the offering plate. And that man has written a different verse of scripture. It's one that we just read that chapter, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, that says this. It says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Touche. And I believe I've got some church members like that. So I ain't coming knocking on your door. Now, I wanted to be a little lighthearted because we're going to need to talk through some, some real attacks of the enemy. You do know the devil hates us. 
And he would do anything. All he does is try to steal, kill, and destroy. And that even applies to our relationships, especially our relationship with God. So he will tell us lies to try to pull us further, further away from God, down into his pit of lies and deception. And if we just walk down those steps, man, we'll get further and further from the truth, and it'll mess us up. So here's step one that the devil tries to do. We read it in the scripture is the devil gets us to question God's word. Remember what he said in Genesis? Did God really say... He gets us to start questioning. Is that really what that verse means? Here's what that lie looks like. Lie number one that he tells us is God's word isn't totally true. It might look like this. Oh, that just applied back in the day. Culture has changed. Man, does anybody else see? We don't need to let culture change the word of God. We need the word of God to change our culture. God help us if we keep going the direction we're going. And so... There's a great example in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, where Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he says a, a beautiful thing that I believe I can say about you people. He says, and we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you heard it from humans, but you accepted it not as a human word. That's a big deal. But as it actually is. This book while human hands may have written it, it was direct inspiration from the Holy Spirit. God wrote the Bible, not people. We just got to be vessels in his hand. And it is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. And so church, I just want to warn you, the word of God will not work if you don't believe it will work. And it won't work if you won't put it to work. Meaning put it in practice in your life. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word only. And so the devil wants you to say, well, you don't have to obey that part. That part's not for you. It's not really true. He tries to twist these things. A pastor named Timothy Keller said it this way. He said, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. So don't be shocked or sad or mad when the Bible challenges you. It should. Every time you read the word, it should challenge, challenge us because we want to be changed every day to be more and more like Jesus, right? Don't say that if you're not really willing to do that. We want to be more like Jesus. That means you're going to have to be less like you. And so when the Bible calls something out, it's God trying to get that out of your life so that we can decrease and Jesus can increase. Anybody glad for the correction of God? says he corrects the ones that he loved. He must love me a lot. Hallelujah. The second step that the devil will take, it's a progression, is that he scoffs at the negative consequences of sin. He started by saying, did God really say you must not eat from the tree? And when Eve responded, if we eat from it, we will die. He said, you will not surely die. And how many of us, there's things our parents told us that we thought if we did that, that we would instantly just perish. Or be transported to the, the pits of hell. But then you did a little bit of something that you knew you weren't supposed to do. And you didn't die right away. Does anybody realize consequences aren't always obvious right away? There's a whole lot of stuff now that I'm getting closer to 40. I wish I'd have eaten a little less Taco Bell in my 20s. It takes a toll. You know, it just, there's things that, again, we don't realize the, the effect that it's having on us. And this will happen in our relationship. 
You know, it's why a lot of people think, well, I just need to test the waters. The Bible says some things are sacred, but I want to find out before I get involved with that person, you know, how involved they're willing to be. And we scoff at the consequence. It's no big deal. But I'm sure there are many of us that can testify. If we could do things differently, we would do things differently. And I'm right there with you. And so there's no judgment, but I do want to shine a light on the lie of the enemy Here's what that lie looks like. It says, that choice won't hurt anything. What a lie. We want to expose that for what it is. The Bible exposes it in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that appears to be right. So it may look right to your human understanding, but in the end, it leads to death. So please don't go off your feelings or your understanding. Go off the word of God because it might look right. It says that fruit was pleasing to the eye, but it leads to death. And, and again, we think that God is just doing all this stuff to like hold us back and keep us from, from doing things. And the, the, the problem is God's not holding us back from anything other than trying to hold us back from pain. He's trying to protect us. And here's the truth I want you to write down is that passions need parameters. So when it comes to relationships, when it comes to being in love, love is, is different than just passion. And really, if you love somebody, you'll know those passions need to be kept in parameters. I thought about this this last week. I came home, and uh, Victoria had built a beautiful fire in the fireplace. Y'all, I love a fire. Anybody else just, it's just relaxing, you know? I got four kids. I need to relax in front of the fireplace sometimes. And I just felt my blood pressure coming down, and, you know, it was cold and raining outside. And, uh, you know, it just was nice enjoying it. But I got to thinking, you know what? That was a good place to enjoy that fire. And fire can be very beneficial. But if I wanted to share that with all of y'all here and got excited and I just brought it up here and started building a fire right here, I'd be putting us all in trouble. Because this is not the place to build a fire. And I want to tell you in your relationships, there are parameters there that if you will stay in the safety of what God has designed for marriage, for relationships, there's a lot of joy. And you're going to enjoy those relationships, but it can be dangerous and, and deadly if we get outside of God's premise. See, a lot of people think when God's talking about marriage and love and relationships, things like that, all they focus on is the thou shalt nots. And that's what some people think it is. Can I tell y'all? There are some thou shalls in there too. And they're for our good and for our enjoyment. And God created it. As an expression of love, as an expression, as a, as a unification of a husband and a wife. And it's just a powerful thing. If we would just do things the way God designed them, we, we'd all be so much better off. And so here's the third step. The devil tries to get you to think that won't hurt anything if you just do that. And step three, the devil accuses God. He's like, not only will that not hurt anything, God's trying to hurt you. He accuses God of, of evil intent. What a liar. And you would think, oh, I would never fall for that. There's no way. But here's what that lie looks like. It looks like this. Righteousness is boring. Sin is fun. And I'll tell you a reason I know this lie has crept into the church. Because some people flinch. They wince at the word holiness. Holiness is not a dirty word. But a lot of those words we've been listening to and watching in movies and on the interweb, they are dirty words. And they don't make us flinch. I don't know who I'm looking at, but the eyes of the Lord are upon you. Y'all, why, why is that? 
Why is it we have trouble making it through a 30-minute sermon? I hope it's only 30 minutes. But anyway, we have trouble sitting and listening to the Word of God, but we can watch a three-hour movie full of violence and vulgarity and be on the edge of our seat. Holiness is not a dirty word. Righteousness is not something to be scoffed at or, or taken lightly. The Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We should be proud of being made righteous and made in his image. And, and then the lie that sin is fun. The Bible says sin is fun for a season. But y'all, that season a lot of times is about like springtime in North Texas. It's here and then it's gone. We basically go from ice apocalypse to the surface of the sun. And there's about two days where the birds are chirping, the flowers are blooming, and then everything is scorched earth. Y'all know it's true. It's so true. Sin's fun for a season, but it's usually a short season. And you better hope it is, because if you don't figure it out on this side of eternity, then that season will be very long. Because eternity's forever. So thank you, God, that there are consequences that teach us, because God is trying to reach us before we reach eternity. And this lie that the devil perpetrates is exposed here in Psalm 1611, where the psalmist said, you will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. Can I tell you, God's joy has no hangover effect, no funky aftertaste. The fullness of joy of God, it says, is, is what we should seek. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So many times people seek the pleasures of this life because we're trying to escape the pain of life. And that's real, and that's hard, and, I, and I, I'm sorry that we go through those things, but please know the pleasures that will lead you to life everlasting can only come from God, and they don't leave any guilt and no remorse and no shame and no damage to your relationships in their path. It strengthens your relationship with God and with others when we seek Him and, and we seek His face and we want to be in His presence. That's the fullness of joy that should fill our life. Amen. So the devil doesn't want us... Believing that God has what's best for us. And there's a lie going on right now, even among Christians, who are like, oh, Christians, they're too hard on people. They're intolerant of other people. We need to just love people. Love is speaking the truth in love. And it's not always easy. And I tell you, I hope somebody will get a backbone for those people that, that some cowards who call themselves Christians. You can call yourself a Christian and not really be following Christ. And I tell you, if you're not going to follow the word of God, the Bible says Jesus is the word. So you're not following Jesus if you're not obeying the word of God. And so they want to say, well, you just need to be tolerant. Don't call them out on, on their sin. And they act like people love people more than God loves people. Well, God would never do that. He would do it this way. Now, can I tell you, and I want you to write this down. The most loving thing God does is call us out. He doesn't call you out to get you in trouble. He calls you out of our sin because he wants to get us out of trouble. He's saying you're heading away that's not going to end well for you. It's leading to death and destruction. It'll destroy your relationships. And most importantly, it'll destroy your relationship with him. So we've had three lies, you know, that we've seen echoed from that example in Genesis 3. Did God really say, and you will not certainly die, and, and even that God has evil intentions. He says, well, God's just keeping this from you. He knows that your eyes will be opened, and he's holding you back from things. And then the fourth thing is the devil advertises sin as beneficial. He says, if you'll do this sin, what did he say to Eve? Then you will be like God. 
knowing good from evil. See, this is good for you. You need to experience it so that you can know about it. I don't know if anybody's like me. There's some things I wish I had never found out about. That as a kid, I wished so much, what is that big secret of that sin? And it opens a box that's really tough to put the lid back on. It opens a a portal spiritually sometimes that, that leads to a lot of other things. And the devil advertises sin as beneficial. And here's how, what that lie will look like many times, is that your life will be better with you leading it. That's what he said. You will be like God, knowing right from wrong. So we want to get to decide what rules we do and do not follow. Is there anybody in here that believes that God deserves the right to tell us what is right from wrong? We shouldn't try to tell him or tell others. People don't need your opinion. They need the truth of God's word. And we don't even need to be judgmental because we're not the ones going to judge them. But we can point them to the truth of God's word. And the Bible says it's like a school teacher, a schoolmaster. It will show them, it will teach them the things they need to realize. And the biggest thing that they will learn is that they need a savior. That our life doesn't go well with us leading it. I've seen where I get myself into, the messes that I make for myself. And so this lie, we need to call out and replace it with the truth of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, reminds us, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? And then it says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price, and a hefty price at that, Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Church, this is why we do it. It's not to impress people. It's not to follow religion. It's because Jesus was willing to go to the cross. I will go to the ends of the earth for him if he asks me. Because he deserves it. And if that is your motive, if that's your motivation, is in response to God's love for you, it's not a heavy burden. That's why Jesus said, take upon me my burden. My, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he said. It's, because, it's not because what he's asking you to do isn't hard. It's just you can't wait to do it. Can I tell you, there's some things that my wife asked me to do that if anybody asked me to, else asked me to do it, I wouldn't want to do it. But she bats those beautiful eyes. You best get out my way on the way to that broom. Because I know it will, it will reach her heart. I know that, that she'll, she'll love that I'm doing that. And I want her to like me. Can I tell you, God loved me a lot. So much he gave his only son for me. So if he asked me to do something, I want to do it for him. So no offense, I'm not even doing it for y'all. As much as I love you, I'm doing it for Jesus. The one who loved us first. Therefore, because you were bought at a price, honor God with your bodies. So don't believe the, the lie of the devil that, that what you're doing is going to be better for you if you're leading it. And it, it feels like to us, the, the way the devil wants to tell us is, oh, you're going to have to give up so much. You're going to miss out. Young people hear that lie. You're going to miss out. Man, there were so many people. I went to parties that I had to leave. My mama didn't even know I was there. She just found out today. <laughs> but I would get there. And can I, tell, can I just speak the truth? A lot of them were parties with other church kids. That's why I was allowed to go in the first place. And I'd come home early, and my mom or dad would be like, is the party already over? Yes, sir, the party's over. It was over for me. 
And I didn't want to leave. It was embarrassing. But multiple times I had to leave places. And can I tell you, sadly, I left one party and I can see this man's face. Because he was my age. I loved that guy. He was a good guy. But he got in some bad stuff and made some bad decisions. And sadly, I had to go to his funeral not many years after we graduated. And I wanted real bad to be in his people group, in his, in his you know, people that, that liked him and all that. But I was like, man, I can't hang out with you if you're going to be doing this stuff. And it was hard. We went down two different paths, and sadly, his path led to death. And I've had to preach funerals of people that I loved because of choices that the, the devil lied to them, that they followed. So I tell you, don't believe that lie that you're giving up a lot, that you're sacrificing a lot. Let me tell you the truth and write this down. Giving up something now for something better later isn't a sacrifice. It's an investment. Come on, somebody. Young people, please hear this. Parents, please explain this. Express this to your kids. Giving up something now for something better later, that's not really a sacrifice. It's an investment. And so many times our world is lied. They do it backwards. They say, you need to sow your wild oats. You need to, to try out all the relationships before you get tied down. What a lie. Before you get down to the old ball and chain. Can I tell you, no, I saved myself for something. I've never been with anybody else except Victoria. She's never been with another man other than me. So I don't have to compare myself to anybody else. I am Superman to her. <laughs> and you know what? That's the best feeling in the world. Because I want nothing more to, to serve God and impress that lady. And I'm glad I know I don't have to compete with anybody for her affections in that way. So do not believe that lie. And, and, and here's the thing. Some of you may be hearing this, and, and the devil's lying to you right now, and I'm going to call it out, and we're going to address it in this fifth one, because here's the one that got me for a long time, because I've, I've messed up a lot. Look, I get to say some good things I've done, but please know there was plenty of stupid things and sinful things along the way, so I have no judgment. I'm not better than anybody else. Thank Jesus for his grace, for his precious blood that was shed for me and for you too. But you might be listening to this and the devil's lying to you right now. And you just heard what I said. That, that Victoria and I, we waited on one another. And that's, that's one of the big reasons our relationship is so strong. And you might say, well, I don't have that option. Because I, I made some decisions that I, I, I wish if I could do it different, I would do it different. But I can't. I can't travel back in time. The damage has been done. And here's a lie that the devil will tell you. And I'm going to call it out. Because I heard messages like this when I was younger about other things that I had messed up on. I was currently messing up at. And I would think, man, I just wish I'd heard that message a few years earlier. Maybe things would be different. But how can things be different? I've already done it. I've already, I've already made the mistake. Here is the lie that the enemy throws in our face. The devil uses sin to create shame that destroys our future relationships. That's that last part of that story we read where Adam and Eve covered up. God hadn't even, he wasn't even in the garden. I mean, obviously God's everywhere, but the Bible says he would come down and actually walk with them and in the cool of the day and, and, and just hang out and fellowship with them. He wasn't even there yet. And they, were hiding. they were worried about God seeing them in their nakedness and their shame. And there's so many people that God is running to you. He's searching for you. And the devil has lied to you. And I'm here today on behalf of Jesus Christ. I'm not Jesus, but hear his words that he said, while we were yet sinners, Jesus went to the cross for me. He went to the cross for you. So he's not waiting for you to clean up. You don't have to come to him all covered up. Here's what that lie sounds like. The devil tells us it's too late. 
run and hide. And I call that out as a lie from the pits of hell and the enemy of your soul. And we want to call it out and cast it out in the name of Jesus this morning. It's never too late with Jesus. And you don't have anywhere to run but to the Father. Don't run from him. I don't care how many mistakes we've made. There's nothing that we or the devil can do that the blood of Jesus can't undo. That he can't wash clean and make whole. And just in case you say, I got nothing to offer God. Aren't you, aren't you glad that God can make something out of nothing? That's how he created this whole universe that we live in. It's too late. Run and hide. That's what the enemy will tell people. That horrible lie. And I had a personal example that I, I thought of with my daughter. Look, I've got three boys and one girl. I love them all the same, but I don't always like them all the same. There's just something. I'm, I'm just kidding. I obviously love and like them immensely. But I didn't know, man, how much I needed a baby girl. I, I always thought I just wanted boys until I got a daughter. And, and thank God for that, because I'm going to need somebody to take care of me in my old age, and it sure ain't going to be those boys. But she's, girls are just different. It's not one's better than the other. They're just different, you know? And it's like she pays attention when I'm sad or, you know, going through something. And she's just, she's real tenderhearted. And I, and I value that. All of our kids are very sweet, but just, you know, all of them are different. And so I've just got a special relationship with Olivia. She's a sweet kid. And about a year ago, I guess it was, uh, She's seven now. She was probably about six. She was right at that age where she really was beginning to understand right and wrong. You know, and she knew. And, and she, she loves me, and she loves her mom, and she doesn't like to disappoint us. And I came into the kitchen one of many times. She was being big. She was being responsible, and she was trying to pour herself a glass of orange juice. Now, at that time, she was supposed to ask for help. But she was trying to be independent, you know, and I, I can appreciate that. She needed help, but she was trying to do it on her own. Have any of us ever done that in our walk with God? We needed help, but we're trying to do it on our own. And I heard a big cry. She's a little bit dramatic. I love her. She's this big, you know, and I've come running because I'm scared. You know, what's happened? Mom's not home, and it's just dad there. And I see her, and I look down, and y'all, there's orange juice everywhere. I mean, it looked like she <laughs> just shook it everywhere. But I want to tell you, this, I'm not trying to play on your emotions. This is the truth. For just a split second, I saw that orange juice, but you know what I saw more? was my little girl's face looking up at me. Sorry. She looked so scared. And I hated that she looked scared looking at me. I wanted her to know I'm the one here to protect you. I'll protect you from anybody. She looked at me and she said, Dad, I'm sorry. Like she was so, and she's just trying, she's got one little rag trying to clean the whole kitchen. Daddy, I'm sorry. I think she was smearing more orange juice around than she was cleaning it up. Daddy, I'm sorry. And she's trying, trying. Before, she looked at me and looked down and looked at me. And I got on the ground and I just picked her. She was bawling, man. I mean, she just, just terrified of what she had done. I just held her for a second. And I told her, I said, Olivia, it's okay. I can clean up the orange juice. I'll help you clean it up. That wasn't good enough. But Daddy, the orange juice is all gone. Now I got to have a dad moment right there. I said, baby girl, your daddy's got enough money to buy you some more orange juice. I'd buy the whole grocery store worth of orange juice if you need it. And she just looked at me and hugged me. No more words, but no more tears. 
We clean that up together. And you know what? Isn't that a sweet picture, just a little bit, of what it's like with our Heavenly Father? We look at him thinking, but it's all gone. I spilled it all. I wasted it all. I've used my whole life. You must not really comprehend who your dad is. He is able to refill you again and again. He's able to replace and replenish those lost years, that damage that's been done. He can heal and he can put it back better than it ever was. That's the God that we serve. And I love this scripture in Psalm 34, 5. It says, those who look to him for help, just like Olivia, I saw her little face. I knew she needed help. She didn't have to say a word. Your heavenly father knows what you have need of before you even ask it. That's what the Bible says. They who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. There's not going to be any shadow of shame. There's just going to be that, that shadow, the shelter of your heavenly father standing over you, watching over you, protecting you, providing for you, being everything you need and so much more. And he's saying, don't worry about what you spilled. Don't even worry about picking it up. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to clean you up. And I'm going to put you back together better than you've ever been. Would somebody give the Lord praise if you're thankful for that? So you've got three responses, three options to how to respond to this truth. We've called out the lies of the devil. Here's the truth. I've seen this in the church world. I grew up in church. I've done all three of these at some point. Two of them are wrong, and one of them is the right way to respond to when you've gone through something that's just hurt you so bad, you think that everything in the future is going to have that same pain. Your first response might be this word. It's the word defensiveness. Why? I can't get into another relationship because it's going to turn out. I don't want to be rejected again. You're just so defensive. Even with God. Well, well, God, the reason I'm, I'm not doing what you're saying is because, you know, I'm just, I'm really struggling. I need to do this just to blow off some steam. I just, you know, I'm, I'm really hurting. You, I know you told me to forgive, but you don't know what they did to me. Y'all, he knows everything. And he know, the reason he's asking you to do something is because he wants what's best for you. So don't push him away. Don't tell him, no, I, you told me to do this, but I will do that. I will do this. I will do it my way. Do what Jesus did. You want to be like Jesus? Listen to what he said in Luke 22. He said, not my will. Instead of telling God, oh, yes, I will, tell him, no, not my will, but yours be done. And I've been trying to pray this more and more every day. This is the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And on earth includes your life. And so don't be defensive. And also, I don't want you to get stuck in this next one. It doesn't start off bad, but it doesn't end up good. And that's the word remorse. The Bible actually talks about godly remorse can be a good thing. But the world has another picture of it. The enemy has a counterfeit of it that traps us in, in just shame and, and sadness Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 says, so now there is no condemnation. That's the key word. You might feel remorse, but you don't want to get stuck in condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So you're his child, you're his son, you're his daughter. And it says, because you belong to him, just because you belong to him. Not because you did anything good, not because you memorized enough scriptures or gave enough money in the, Bible, uh, in the offering or attended church a certain number of times. Just because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe 
believe in the power of Jesus Christ to change us and make us new and lead us on a path that won't lead to death anymore but leads to eternal life. So don't get stuck feeling shame. I'm so proud that Jesus bore all our sin and all our shame at Calvary. So you can give it all to him. He can handle it all. And he can lift us up out of it. This final word is the goal. If you want to respond the right way to God, you want to respond in repentance. And I hate how the devil tries to lie. He tries to make these kind of words dirty words. Repentance sounds maybe kind of scary and bad or you know, painful, whatever. Literally all that word means is to turn around. All sin means, again, sin sounds so scary. And you're like, oh, I've sinned against God. All that word means is you missed the mark. You were going the wrong direction. So, again, dispel those lies of the devil that, like, you're a sinner. Well, that just means you're lost. That's why we say it. You're lost. You're going the wrong way. He's, the devil has tricked you into going towards hell, going towards death. And all God is saying when he calls us to repentance, it's not this evil religious word. He's just saying, turn back to me. Turn your life over to me. I know that it was hard while you were trying to do that on your own. and it, it, You may have been exhausting yourself trying to clean up your own mess. He's saying, you don't have to do any of that. You just got to follow me. Turn to me. And when we repent, 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us that godly sorrow, again, that's that good, that, that remorse that leads. It brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves, somebody say this, no regret. No regrets. Look, the reality is everything that happens in Vegas doesn't really stay in Vegas. But everything that's covered by the blood of Jesus really is made completely clean. There's no regret. But it warns worldly sorrow brings death. So don't just stay sad. Just stay close to God. Give your heart to Him fully. I want to give you one final truth and then we're going to pray. Because the devil lies and he says repentance is going to be hard. And I want you to know that repentance is a moment of pain. But being unrepentant is a lifetime of pain. And sometimes we'll struggle with something because we're like so afraid to talk about it or confess it. That's why scripture says that if you confess your sins one another, you will be healed. Because it's a beautiful thing to, to look at somebody even when you're uncomfortable, you're awkward. That's what these life groups are supposed to be about. It's people sharing life to the point you'll actually be honest with one another. Instead of pretending like everything's okay, let them know what's really been going on, how you've been hurting and what you've been going through. And to look somebody in the eyes while you tell them that thing that you're like, if somebody knew this about me, they would be so disappointed and so disgusted. And you brace yourself for their rejection and instead they say, oh, you think that's bad. What do you hear about what Jesus saved me from? What, what do you hear about what God's delivered me from? Yeah, that ain't even top 10, sweetheart, things that I've done. Amen. And we can be there. We can bear one another's burdens and in so doing fulfill the law of Christ. This is what the body of Christ really looks like. This is what godly relationships can be like. So I want to invite you, everybody, to stand with me as we close with prayer. And I'm going to ask you to do something different because God put this on my heart. Look. He didn't call you out by name to me, but I feel a burden. And when the Lord does this, I want to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit. That there's somebody, probably more than one person, if I'm being honest, that you're in here and this has been, this is hitting home with you. The Word of God has hit home with you. Where you're like, you know what, I've just had a tough time really 
feeling like I've been forgiven by God. I've I've had a tough time because of pain that's happened to me in my past. Even if you didn't do it to yourself, you you didn't see a good marriage at home or you've been rejected by people, by parents or friends or family, whatever. And it's made it hard to have a a good relationship with God, even trust him because you don't trust people. And you want to have healthy, godly relationships and you just say it's complicated. Hear these words. It doesn't have to be. But there's only one answer. The answer is simple. It's, it's trusting in Jesus. Don't trust in those people. Don't let them have that power over you anymore. Give it all to God. Give it all to Jesus and let him heal you. So I want to ask you in this very, very special but very solemn moment. This is serious. If you're in this place and you say, I, I've got some hurt that I have trouble letting go. Whatever that means. Either stuff you've done and you have trouble believing God forgives you. You have trouble forgiving yourself. Or relationship pain trauma with other people and you say I just want to ask God to help heal my heart I want to ask him to forgive me of holding on to stuff I want to repent of it I want to give it all to him if that's you would you raise your hand where you're at no shame no eyes closed man look at these hands okay there's a lot of you will you hold your hands up for a second because I'm not gonna have time to pray for every one of you so I want to do something that the Lord told me to do will somebody move from where you're at and just lay a, a shoulder on these people leave your hand up for a second let somebody know you're not alone that just like the Word of God said, God runs to us. And just, just know somebody's near you. Find somebody. Y'all, there's people over here with nobody. Let somebody get to everybody. Look around. Let's be the body of Christ. They're just going to pray for you. They're not going to speak something, you know, crazy. We're just going to believe for God to bring healing to your heart. And let's be there for one another. Father, in the name of Jesus, I look out at these precious people. They're, they're your children, God. You love them so much. And Lord, I pray that you would reject every lie that the devil has ever told them. And right now in their hearts, speak louder that they are loved. It doesn't matter what anybody did to them yesterday or what they'll do tomorrow. What Jesus did on the cross covers it all. So Lord, I pray they would just be able to forgive themselves. And know that people have done way worse than you've forgiven them. So God, they've not done anything that disqualifies them from your love. We reject that lie of Satan. And God, I pray that you would just give them a hope. That you know what? The last relationship maybe didn't go exactly right, but I'm not giving up hope that God's going to help bring me healing to my life and to those that God wants in my life. We're going to trust you, God. We confess we've sinned against you, but we believe your blood is able to cover all those sins and wash us clean. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your healing. In the name of Jesus, I declare it. And all those that would believe that and receive that said, man, would somebody give God praise for these awesome people making that awesome decision. Amen, amen. Just let me, let me send you out with this word, and then they're going to sing us out. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come, and if they would just gather at the front. If you need prayer for anything, y'all, just, I don't care what it is. God cares, and he cares for you. So don't leave today without letting somebody just stand in agreement with you in prayer. It's a powerful thing, and we've been seeing God do miraculous things. So I encourage you, if you need something in your family, in your, in your physical body, your health, whatever it might be, your work, I, God, God doesn't care. He just cares about you, and he can handle it all. Just bring it to him by faith. But before I dismiss you, I want to encourage you with something. That the devil will try to bring stuff up again and again. Because again, like those five lies, he's been doing them since Genesis. So you need to keep bringing up the truth of God's word. Don't get tired of it. Don't let it become old. Let it, let it be in your heart. Let it be from your mouth. Let, let, just testify of what God's done for you today, tomorrow, every day. 
then I just believe that God's going to use you to encourage somebody else. Maybe you can be one of those people that's like, man, that ain't top five worst thing I've done, and look what God has forgiven me of. We need one another. And we are the way. I don't know why. I just trust him. I quit asking, God, is this what you meant? It's just what he said. The way he has chosen to reach this world is through the body of Christ, and that's you and I. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So let that testimony be loud on your lips and loud in your life. In Jesus' name. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And they're going to send you out singing that song. Surely the goodness of God is running after you. So wherever you go, God goes before you. And he's got your back, the Bible says. He's your rear guard. Let me pray for you. Then if you need prayer, come at any time. And we'll stay and pray for you as long as you need. I'd love to see you back tonight at 5 o'clock for the Life Group Fair. God, I just pray a blessing over your people. God, I love them so much. And, and I know you love them way more than I do. So God, let us just trust you. And let us represent you well. Tell people about what you've done for us. Be ambassadors for you everywhere we go. Declaring the gospel and advancing the kingdom. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, one more time when you give Jesus some praise. Go with God. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, we'll stay and pray with you.